This podcast is a project of the Mass Cultural Council. We believe in the power of culture, the arts, humanities, and sciences to enrich communities, advance equity, and foster creativity. That was a moment where it was so clear to me, right? Like, this show had an impact on this person, and because I'm doing this work, like, I feel a sense of real value and connection to my recovery. Hi, I'm Anita Walker, Executive Director of the Mass Cultural Council, and welcome to Creative Minds Out Loud. Our guest today is Andy Short, Executive Director of Improbable Players, and welcome to our program. Thank you so much for having me. Now, you just told me, and I I have air quotes here, listeners, that Improbable Players is franchised across the country (laughs) say more it's well yeah i I joke that we're the mcdonald's of uh applied theater education uh but no we uh so we have three troops uh and they're all uh run out of our office in watertown massachusetts uh but there's one troop obviously in massachusetts uh, there's one troop in New York and there's one troop in Cleveland. And those are all made up of actors who are themselves in recovery from substance addiction. So they kind of bring with them when they're acting out the stories that we've collected, they bring with them kind of the depth of their experience. And and that's how we deliver programs to primarily schools. But we also have been doing a lot more work in community uh, and working with different organizations that have kind of like missions. So there's really two sides to this story, and I'm interested to hear both of them. There's the message that you project when you go into schools and do performances for others, but there's also the impact you're having on the people in the troupe. That's, you might be one of the first people to like get that right off the bat. It's it's a two-sided model, right? So a lot of the energy that goes into treating like solving the opioid crisis, working on addiction goes into treatment, right? And so what you lose is the prevention piece kind of at the beginning before people start and then the long-term recovery piece. So a lot of services drop off for folks who are in recovery after about a year. Uh, And so what we try to do is we go to schools with the message that you're probably going to experience someone who has an addiction at some point in your life. uh, And we want to show you through theater what are some things you can do to help that person? What are some things you can do to help yourself to make sure you're okay? We don't start from the place of, hey, anyone who takes a drink, you're going to become an alcoholic. It's not realistic. Kids don't listen to that message. So that's some of the destigmatizing and prevention work that we try to do. And then on the other side, folks like myself who, you know, I love theater. I was in recovery, still am, and it brings those two things together in a paying job that, uh, in such a way that we create a community and a support for people uh, to continue their recovery well past you know a year. We have we have actors who credit their recovery with with working with us. I'm one of those. I remember I was I was three years sober. I was, uh, you know, working at Starbucks at the time and just graduated college, really was pretty depressed. And um, and the problem was I couldn't get sober again. Right. So like the first time I felt really depressed, I was able to get treatment for my addiction. And that was kind of what what solved that problem at the time. And, and so here I am three years sober. I'm depressed again. I don't know what to do. I, you know, I'm trying therapy. I'm trying meds. I'm trying different things and it's not working. And, and I got this call from this woman, Lynn Bratley, who founded the company. She had found me. I, she is like an ear 
for people who like like theater and are in recovery. And uh, she found me. I was like sitting on the stoop outside my Starbucks, and she gave. She basically said, "Why don't you come and audition?" And that for me, that work and feeling like my story was now useful to people, that kept me in it. That kept me in recovery, and it kept me sane. And uh, and now. Uh, here I am, still so, doing it. So let's talk about uh, that side of the equation, yeah. the, the the actors that are part of the troupe and the impact that they're having on their lives. Is this only for people who are actors already or naturally inclined to be actors? Or could someone who never even thought about acting uh, be part of improbable players? We have both. So we have, you know, all the way on the side of we have... Uh, Actually, our one of our main actors who's been with us for, I think, seven years. Uh, his name is Dennis Staroselsky. His career is taking off. He's a professional actor. He's he was in The Deuce and HBO, and he was in a movie with Jeremy Irons recently. You know, like a serious actor, and also teaches at Leslie, uh, and is amazing. And so we have that. And then the other side of the spectrum, we have. Uh, some folks uh, like uh, one of our actors, John, and another Megan, who really they come from different, often performance based. So it's often, you know, John is a musician and he wasn't really an actor before working with us. And then Megan is a storyteller and uh, a recovery coach. And so wasn't really doing that work before working with us either. And, and we kind of we try to train and cultivate those skills, but in a way that we start with the real prerequisite is, are you in long-term recovery? And then we work on the rest if we can, if, if you can take direction and, and project a little bit. So short of being that lucky guy sitting on the stupid Starbucks on a certain day when a certain person approached you and gave you this opportunity, yeah. um, how do people connect with improbable players? Is it referrals from recovery programs or... How do they find you? So it's often word of mouth. It's often personal connections of actors that uh, are in the troupe. So that's how I got connected with Lynn. And but we also we'll put out calls. So we'll do you know stage source uh, posting. We'll we'll post in different areas. Often it's it's funny when we when we post in the traditional theatery audition places, and we say you know it is a requirement to be sober. And people will say, well, I didn't, I'm sober right now. You know, like I didn't drink this weekend. We're like, actually, we mean a little bit more involved than that. Uh, so, so we ask people, you know, what is your uh, sobriety date? That's a pretty good measure. If they, if someone understands what that means and has a, a date, that's a pretty good indicator of that we're on the same page and what recovery means and what we're looking for. But yeah, it's mostly word of mouth. We, but occasionally a posting will hit and we'll get someone amazing who just sees it and comes on in. Uh, actually, some of our more recent actors have been like that. Uh, but, but yeah, it's a weird job. Uh. So you said when you were telling your own story mm-hmm. that um, you had been in recovery and you tried medication and you tried different kinds of therapy. Mm-hmm. What is it about this? What is, why is this working for you? Because when I did, so I kind of have to answer with another story. So the, the first show that I did at a school, um, it's a, it's a, it was a play actually based on Lynn's story of recovery and how addiction affects the family. Right. So I played the son, 
Um, I wore a baseball hat. It was very cute. Uh, and then, and I had to play like, you know, four years old to eight years old to teenager. You shaved. I shaved. I shaved. And when I shave, I look like a baby. I know this is a, you know, they say audio is a visual medium. And uh, just imagine that in your mind's eye. But I did this show and I was this, uh, this brother character, this son character who struggled with addiction towards the end of the show. And this girl came up to me after, the student, uh, and she was crying and said, you know, my that character that you played is just like my brother. He just dropped out of school. I, we have no idea what to do. Like my parents fight all the time, just like in the show, right? That's one of the pieces that you see. And, and so I said, well, who, what are your resources? And she's like, well, we have this counselor and kind of walked her through the steps she could take to get herself help. Right. So she's not the one with the addiction, but she recognized what was happening because of the show and then we could kind of plan out. And then we, what we do is, so we try to connect them with local resources, and then we'll follow up with the school to say, listen, I had a conversation with this student. You should know. And I'll, I'll say that to the student as well. It's not a surprise. I'll say, listen, I think we, we should talk to someone. Um, and so that moment, like that was really early on in my time with the players. And that was the moment where I was like, oh, like this theater thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, theater people, we love to believe that the theater changes the world. And like, well, it, oh, does. It, it does. It does. But we uh, that was a moment where it was so clear to me, right? Like this show had an impact on this person and because I'm doing this work, like I feel a sense of real value and connection to my recovery and that was kind of that propelled me through and in moments like that have happened where do the stories throughout. come from? Do you do the players write the stories? Are these your stories you're telling on stage to the school groups? So it's been different over time. So the initial play, like I said, was Lynn's story. It was biographical, largely. And then we've created, over time, plays. I'd say every several years or so, we'll make a new show. And often those are a form of applied theater. So um, we'll go and collect stories from our community uh, or from different communities that we're not necessarily a part of, but reflect a rec- the recovery narrative because we want to showcase that. And then we will theatricalize it. So uh, it's not quite documentary theater, if we're getting nerdy. You said I could get nerdy. Uh, it's not quite verbatim theater because definitely we take some liberty with exact dialogue, but they're, the structure of the story is, is based on something that we collected and then are enacting. So the other piece to know is that we are not psychodrama. So we don't have actors write their story and then act out their story. I, you know, I have feelings about that as a as a practitioner. So say more. Yeah, I I I think it can be tricky and it can it can be for some people uh, dangerous depending on what their experience is and I don't I don't use that word lightly, but it's, uh, we want to avoid the problem of re-experiencing trauma and asking actors who might say they're totally solid and might feel quite, uh, comfortable where they are asking them to re, uh, kind of walk through the, some of the hardest moments over and over again, because we're doing a show that we're, we, we write a show and then we're doing it for, over and over and over again at different schools. You wouldn't call yourself a therapist. No. 
you're an actor. Yeah. And so this is theater that has tremendous impact both on the participants and the audiences, but you wouldn't put yourself in a medical model. No, no. The reason for that is we don't have, we emerge from a specific tradition. We don't have social workers on staff. And frankly, when both for on the school side, we're going and doing a show for 45 minutes and then we're doing a talk back and then often that's it for the year, right? So we haven't built a therapeutic uh, container, so to speak, to then work with uh, everyone we're reaching. Certainly people respond to the work. Certainly we want to be ready to hook them up with more sustainable counseling uh, in their area. And that's something we take really seriously. And we're not pretend, trying to pretend that, that that is what we're set up to do and what the tradition we're emerging from is. Does that make sense? Perfect sense. Perfect okay. sense. I, and I, that was a clarity that I really wanted to bring out in the mm-hmm. conversation, um, that because uh, the power of culture, the power of the arts can be therapeutic, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean our field is turning itself into therapists. Yes. It's just one of the wonderful impacts that arts participation can have on people's well-being and happiness and health, health writ large. So the last question I want to ask you is, you must have a really interesting um, vantage point on this thing that we do call the opioid epidemic mm. uh, in Massachusetts, in America, all over the world, quite frankly. And how do you see that from your work? So I think the thing that we do best, let me back up a little bit, and then I'm going to back into the answer to your question. Uh, prevention work is happening often at the middle school level. And it's happening most effectively when you're doing repeated engagements over time, right? And so that's that's something that we try to do and aren't always able to do. And so I think what we do best, we do do we do some prevention, um, but a real function that we're serving is to decrease stigma, right? I think that's probably what we do best. I think it's what theater can do really well. And we are introducing people to people who are in recovery. Right. And, and that is a narrative we put forward in everything we do. And stigma is, I think, the reason that, you know, not to sound too radical, but that people aren't marching in the streets. Right. Uh, because this epidemic is worse than uh, in terms of deaths uh, than HIV. The reason I think we don't see that kind of outrage that honestly I feel like is appropriate given the scale of the problem is because of stigma. And it's not been, it's an ongoing effort because the thing that you learn as someone who's in recovery is actually that stigma, it comes from outside, but it comes from inside too, right? So I felt shame about my addiction before anyone told me I should feel that way, right? And so to get up there in front of people and share a a narrative of that yes, recovery is possible, that recovery is for everyone. It's not just for the person who is a substance addiction. It is for uh, my mom who loved me. It is for my brother who had no idea what was going on. You know, there that that is something we can all access. That's something that I think theater is uniquely set up to do. It's something that I feel like we do well with our work, and it's really the, the power of it. And the power of culture. Yes. Andy Short, Executive Director of Improbable Players, another one of our creative minds out loud. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. 
To learn more about this episode and to subscribe, visit creativemindsoutloud.org.